American Toffee Podcast, your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by Alex Johnson and James Boyman. What is up, everybody? Today, we are here bringing you a Leicester match preview. The Toffees go away to King Power Stadium against currently sitting in second place, Leicester City. Now, most of the talk this week has been primarily about Marco Silva. It's now Wednesday, the 27th of November, and we still have a manager named Marco Silva. So I think it's, it's, it's fair to say that Marco Silva is going to be here for the Leicester match, right, James? Yeah, that's been the indication from the reports that have been coming out. And, you know, based on fan sentiment and everything, it seems to be largely due to the fact that the board have yet to find a suitable replacement. Uh, To me, that's, I guess, as good an argument as any to keep Silva on. But it certainly hasn't contributed to a positive atmosphere surrounding the team and amongst the fan base. It's been pretty dark for the last week. I mean, it's been dark for months. Let's be real. It's been dire. It's been difficult to watch this team week in, week out, but I think everything kind of came to a head last weekend following the loss to Norwich City. It did. And unfortunately, it's even gone beyond, you know, the fans booing and chanting sacked in the morning over the weekend and and has escalated to things like graffiti at Goodison Park. Obviously, everyone on social media all day long, every day since the last match have been talking about different replacements, Marco Silva himself, the board, and their ineptitude, whether you agree or disagree with that. And so, you know, my question to you, James, really is, is in general, is all of this commotion really going to contribute to a good atmosphere, uh, allow a positive platform for current and then future players or managers for that matter? Because it looks like obviously we're going to be in the hunt for a manager too. For me, it's it's so clear and it's so frustrating because as a fan, I empathize with everyone who's frustrated. I can't even begin to imagine what it what it what it's like to have been a fan of Everton for decades and have seen, especially if you've seen, you know, the successes of the '80s and to where we are now as a club, where we're struggling to beat newly promoted sides on the regular. But at the same time, I don't think that the attitude of the fan base contributes anything substantive to to the club at all. I think you know you look at. Goodison Park, where when Everton are playing well, the place is a fortress and the crowd in the atmosphere is one of the best in all of England, if not all of Europe, if not all of the entire world. But when fans, when, when Goodison is a morgue and fans are booing players and yelling at them, call, it, it's silent. And so you can hear the individual fans yelling expletives at the players. That does nothing to take the club in the direction that every fan wants us to go. And it can be hard because it's frustrating to watch and it's not as if we were, they haven't been giving us much to cheer about, let's be realistic. But when you see people graffitiing on the outside of Goodison, it just becomes so frustrating because what manager or what player is going to look at those reactions from the fan base and think that's a situation that I want to insert myself into. That's a club that I want to end up at where the fans turn when the club is on, when the, when the team's on a poor run of form, the fans immediately turn and I'm going to be booed and not supported. And it can be tough, but I think really as fans, we just have to get behind the team no matter who who's at the helm or who is on the pitch and support them. Because if the crowd's in it and the crowd's behind the team, that that gives, that pl- gives the players that little extra bit of boost. And I just think that all the negativity surrounding the club just, just compounds our issues at the moment and makes things worse 
rather than, you know, bring brings anything positive to the table. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's a really good take and you said it very well. And to compound on to, you know, what you were talking about, it's also just, you know, on social media, one of my biggest pet peeves, if a player does well, one of the biggest things you see, one of the things you see plastered all over social media is that that player did not try. That player does not care about wearing a blue shirt, right? Do you see you see that as well, correct? Of course. All over the place. That is one of my biggest pet peeves because, you know, those players are out there running on average. I mean, you know, barring maybe like a central midfielder, they're probably running on average like eight miles a match, right? They train all day, every day. They're professional footballers playing in the Premier League, being broadcasted across the world. They're superstars. Their life, they are human beings, but they're expected to be robots and play this game. They give up a ton to be there on the pitch, specifically in this case, in our case, on the pitch at Goodison Park wearing a blue shirt. Just because the players don't put in a great performance, you know, that doesn't mean that they're not trying either. And I know that's a bit of a rant, but for example, you know, the club, the official club website did an interview with Morgan Schneiderlin, I want to say last week. Yeah. Maybe it was early this week, um, in which they let him, okay, so it was last week, and, and they let him kind of air out his quote unquote for lack of a better term, dirty laundry in terms of, you know, the rumored training ground bust up with Morales and how the fans kind of turned on him. And, you know, he talked about how the manager told him, even though he was, you know, out of the country with family, with at a family emergency, the coach said, I need you here. So he came and he played and he did absolutely terribly. What were, you know, fans could, he's been made a scapegoat. And this is just one example. He's been made a scapegoat, but you don't actually know what's going on in their heads, right? Like, he had a, a terrible family emergency and then he's playing. He came all the way back to England to play in this match because the manager said he was needed. And all of a sudden, you know, to the fans, like he's just not trying. He's not doing well. He's not doing well. He shouldn't be here. Bin him off. Um, so, so just kind of to piggyback off of your main point, it's really unfortunate to see. And, and I get it, it. It feels negative. We're all bummed about it. But at the end of the day, there's nothing to be gained and all to lose by acting in that sort of way. Yeah, and the players are professional, and anyone who's played sport at any level, much less at a level as high as the Premier League, the, the arguably the greatest league in the world, knows that sometimes you go out and you have a bad game. Sometimes you just can't figure out exactly what's going on. You're giving your all, you're trying your hardest, and things just aren't working out for you. That's just the nature of sport. And in some ways, that's just kind of been our season so far, where no, the performances haven't inspired a lot of confidence or hope, but we've also been relatively unlucky. And the XG stats we'll we'll touch on in a little bit and our our coming opposition on Sunday are the polar opposite of that but it just it just it, it comes back to you know i think there's a sense of entitlement amongst fans and some of it is is justified where fans are paying money week in week out to go see the team and they feel like you know the the team owes them something but in the same regard the fans the, the fans owe the players something and that's their support we're supporters we're not here to to pick people apart or bring people down we're here to lift the team up and that's really what it's all about. And I think, yes, it's it's dire if we're staring relegation in the face and it's really hard to to cheer, but maybe it's like a chicken and an egg thing with the atmosphere at Goodison, which has been an ongoing conversation for years now. It's like, does the team spur on the players or do, do the players owe it to inspire the fans into cheering? And I think more so it leans towards the fans getting behind the team and, and really lifting them up because you see all the all the tremendous atmospheres are driven by the fans themselves and their involvement. And I just think that, again, the sense of entitlement perhaps that's kind of crept into the fan base based on 
success that frankly was long before you or I were fans and many fans abroad. Um, but I, I just think that there's, I just wish that we could get to a point where we can support the team no matter what and didn't have this re- relentless negativity surrounding the club because I feel like it's just it's just a burden that that sits on people's backs. And I think Marco Silva knows very well that he's a dead man walking and this is a good pivot into our opposition on Sunday when we head to the King Power Stadium. Yes, as, as you've said, Silva is on the ropes, dead man walking. Leicester City, I don't think it's any surprise or secret to anyone that they are sitting second in the table, one point above Manchester City, right? They've won their last five Premier League matches in a row. Now, specifically against Everton, the last six fixtures, Everton versus Leicester City, were tied three wins, three losses with them. Now, those none of those pieces sound like fantastic reading for Evertonians. However, stats, you know, don't always mean everything. No, you're right. Stats don't always mean everything. I mean, results ultimately speak louder than any statistic ever could, but we really are, are faced with an a interest, interesting juxtaposition between Leicester and Everton based on the advanced metrics XG and XGA. I'm sure if you're not familiar with either stat, I mean, we've gone over it before, but it's essentially an indicator of, on average, if every player, um, if an average player took a shot from a certain position, how likely they are to score, what's the what's the percentage and that contributes to the XG and XGA. So so Leicester are, have scored 31 goals this season, but their XG is actually only 19.2. So they've outperformed the average, quote unquote, average team or scored, outperformed what they were expected to do. They, they've scored almost 12 goals more than they've expected to, been expected to. And then they've also conceded nearly six fewer than they would be expected to based on the chances they've given up. So between that, you're looking at roughly like a nine point expected points difference in the table, which is just enormous. So long story short, they've they've dramatically overperformed the statistical expectation for them. Meanwhile, Everton are a bit on the opposite end, though not quite as extreme, where our XG is 18.6, whereas we've only conceded 13, and our expected goals against are about 15, and we've conceded 20. So we've both scored less than expected and conceded more than expected in Leicester of course, scored more than expected and conceded less. So so it's just interesting how momentum and certain fixtures, I mean, of course, Leicester's 9-0 win will contribute some to that, but it, it, it just shows that they've been really lucky and we've been a bit unlucky, though, again, the results on the pitch and the performances overall haven't been very good on our end. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, now, now part of it, right, in terms of just the fact that they've scored 31 goals, they scored nine against Southampton, okay? So, so the goals themselves, 931 is, is a ridiculous number. Background, when James looked it up as part of our, you know, preview writing notes, note taking and, and stuff like that, we both legitimately thought when he said 31 goals allowed that he was incorrect because it felt like literally far too many goals at this point in the season. However, that's the short, you know, the short caveat. And I, I th- we've definitely touched on the Everton expected goals versus expected goals allowed. You know, we, we've been screwed by VAR a, a couple of times. We know that we've been unlucky. Leicester, on the other hand, have been, quote unquote, extremely lucky. But, you know, I don't think that either one of us, and please correct me if I'm wrong, James, are trying to paint this in the light that, well, any day now, our luck will change. And therefore, the same can be said for Leicester City. And therefore, we're going to beat them 3-0, right? We're simply saying that, the stats tell a very interesting story, and 
it still doesn't make us feel any better. Yeah, and what the stats do tell you is that over time, you could expect that both teams would start to regress towards the mean, i.e. they would Everton would start scoring more and conceding less and vice versa for Leicester City. Doesn't mean that that's going to happen on Sunday. I mean, given the form that both teams are in, I, I'd be frankly shocked if we were able to pull this off. But it's also very interesting to think about it from Marco Silva and the team's perspective because at this point, he really doesn't have much to lose. If he loses this game, I mean, he's got to be gone. Despite the fact that December looks like just teeing us up for relegation in a nutshell, Marco Silva has virtually simultaneously has no pressure and all the pressure on him because if he wins, then maybe that's an indicator that the tides have turned, maybe not. If he loses, he's done, but he's kind of done. I mean, I really don't think that this result, barring a, a dramatic victory by a, by a huge margin, would do anything to really save his job at this point. But I do think that... I think that the team might be able to play with a little bit more freedom, but then you then you also factor in the fact that our away form has just been absolutely atrocious. So again, we're not trying to get our hopes up here. We don't want you guys to get your hopes up because as we know, there's nothing Everton do better than getting your hopes up only to shatter them and stomp them into the ground and crush your hopes and dreams. Yeah. And you know what I'm going to be looking for actually in this, maybe this is kind of another, another point on, on my rant from the beginning of the episode, but I'm going to be looking to see if these players actually believe what they say to the media and to the fans. And that is that apparently Marco Silva is the best manager around and he is the man to get us through the slump, right? I want to see away from home. I want to see how these players react. Are they really physically trying to help save Marco Silva or are they going to show up? Are they going to pout, crumble, and then just watch chaos ensue? That's going to be the, one of the main things I'm going to be looking for in the first five minutes of this match. But nonetheless, let's kind of move into Leicester's style of play, right? We all remember the crazy story that was Leicester City winning the Premier League a handful years ago. Now, then their style was very simple. Sit in a low block and hoof it to Jamie Vardy. And they did pretty well. I'm, I'm sure I know that he scored many, many goals that way. And obviously it won them the league. Nowadays, they're playing much different, right? They're averaging 55% possession in the league right now. And interestingly enough, and this is for any team, not just comparing Leicester City from then to now, they actually attack pretty much equally down both sides, the right and the left flank. Usually you have a go-to flank for Everton. It's been the left-hand side for a good while now, but that that's due to the quality that we have. However, Leicester City are not the same way. That means that we're going to have to be very conscious of attacks coming from both sides. That means that we cannot focus and say, Sidibe or Coleman, uh, you know, go ahead and go forward. Luca, stay back a little bit. Be, be weary of their attack from the right flank because they do that most often. In this instance, it's going to be very dangerous and we're going to have to be ready for anything. Yeah. And credit to Brendan Rodgers since coming in, I believe since he's come in, Lester, only Liverpool have gained more points in the league. So they've been on a really good run of form under him. He's kind of rejuvenated their side. Of course, all the difficulties they went through last season emotionally with their owner getting passing away tragically. Um, the fans the, the fans have stuck by the team. And, and to their credit, their recruitment strategy has been superb. And they've made some excellent signings. They have some really dangerous players, some good young talent. I think they're, both their fullbacks, Ben Chilwell and Ricardo Pereira, are going to be heavily sought after by some of the most elite clubs in Europe because of the way that they get forward and the way that they defend. Um, I'd say that they probably have the better of us 
between the balance of their two outside backs, I still think probably Luca Dean is arguably better than the the best overall. But furthermore, they they have James Madison in the center of the park who has come on really strong this year. We know actually, interestingly enough, he was linked with us prior when he was at Norwich and and or Norwich and ended up uh, of course going to Leicester and he's done a great job for them. And then Wilfred Ndidi in the center of the park for them. Interesting stat on him. Many of you may have seen this already, but he has more tackles and interceptions than any other player in Europe's top five leagues, which is sort of similar to like the Idrissa Ghanage profile of player where he is just everywhere, high energy, breaking things up all over the place, disruptive and dangerous. And he's not that great going forward, but they don't need him to be because they have that, they've struck the right balance in their midfield and it makes them really, really dangerous. And this is not a game that I, I feel confident, given the two teams' forms, given everything that's going on, that we have really a, a chance at winning. But I mean, it seems like whatever we think, the opposite happens. Whenever we think we're going to win, we're going to lose. So I guess expect the unexpected. But this is a very good Leicester side. They've, they're set up well, and they have a really nice balance where they're not too dependent on any one part. And you know, on top of all that, they have very few injuries, so they can basically name their strongest 11 against us which of course is can't say the same for Everton. You know, you mentioned uh, sometimes we think things and then the opposite happens. Well, I'm here to give everybody a pretty good laugh. You know, as James, you know, I'm the first to admit I was wrong. And <laughs> okay. And I'm going to be so honest with you. I'm I'm here. I will I will throw myself in front of the bus if if so that, you know, this this episode ends up being a little more cheery, but James Madison specifically, you're talking about that we were linked with him before he signed for Leicester City, right? I swear to you, I legitimately in clear conscience, and I actually tweeted this, maybe I maybe I commented on Reddit also, the Everton subreddit, I legitimately didn't think we needed to sign James Madison because we had Kieran Dowell. And, you know, speaking, you know, opposites, uh, <laughs> James Madison has come into the league and literally lit it up, and Kieran Dowell is now in another seemingly failed loan spell, so... Um, please, if you can't, you know, find anything funny or exciting in this episode, laugh at me if you need to. But nonetheless, back on track. It's unfortunate because going into the season, even the commentators will say it. They actually talked about it, I think, on some segment that I saw via Twitter, that everyone was talking about Everton and Leicester City in the same breath for this coming season, you know, we we would both be challenging very clearly for fifth or sixth place because of all the question marks around Chelsea or on Manchester United, Arsenal's terrible defense, right? And and yet here we are. Leicester City have grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and then some sitting in second place. Everton on the other hand are withering. Now again, as you said, and as you've posted on Twitter, right? Marcus Silva has gotten terrible luck with injuries. We sold Ghana Gay, signed a replacement for high dollar, and then he got injured for long term for most of the season already. So that can't be understated, right? Um, that and that's just one example, obviously. But you know, this is the match, right? As you said, this is the match for Marco Silva. This is the match for those players, and we have to see something because I think the fans just want to see fight, right? Yeah, and the fight. I think the lack of fight. Under Everton, under Marco Silva has been exemplified with the fact that we've yet to come back from a losing position and win a match. And that's in some 50 odd matches. I mean, his record speaks for itself. He's got a worse record than Ronald Koeman. It has not been good. And this is not the type of game where you'd expect to see trends broken. But again, expect the unexpected. I still do feel 
like Leicester have a more settled side. They have better, maybe individual pieces throughout. And given the fact that we're underperforming dramatically, um, it will make things very difficult. But we haven't really talked much about what we can expect from a team selection. I don't know if we really can. Alex, do you think the fact that, you know, do you think Marco Silva will, are we going to see the same same lineup that rolled out last weekend against Norwich? Or is he going to be able to, I think this, if there was ever a time to just throw things to the wind and give the fans what they've been calling for, I'd say this is the perfect stage to do so. What do you think? I, I literally, I will literally cry, but like laugh like an insane person. Like at the same time, just cry laugh. If I wake up uh, Sunday at whatever time, I guess 1030 Eastern time is when the lineup's going to come out. And if I see the same lineup, I legitimately might go insane, like insane. I, I don't think, think it's going to happen. Kickoff if he named it, if he named the same lineup. <laughs> Maybe. Right? Either that or they'll just tell the social media guy to get the, uh, to get the uh, graphics ready and... <laughs> But either way, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Unfortunately, we are recording before the pre-match press conference as usual, so we don't have injury news. We remember from the Norwich match that Bernard and Fabian Delph were at least question marks a week ago. So therefore, we can say that there could be a strong possibility, at the very least, that Delph could play a part, um, possibly Bernard as well. I, I... I say that we all need to pray that Fabian Delph can start mm. because James Madison in the middle of the pitch, attacking from all flanks, the fluidity that they have in their play, Yori Tielmans and Didi in the center of the pitch, they're going to run us ragged if we're not starting Fabian Delph. They still could, but he's our best bet right now. Uh, in terms of the back line, right? I've, I've, in, in my opinion, I, it's fine, but, but I think Coleman regains his place because Sidibe was... Uh, Pretty close to laughably bad mm. last weekend. In in terms of kind of our forward areas, I like Richarlison on the left. Dominic Calvert-Lewin needs to start up top. No, I'm not going to say Moyes Keane. And, and and I think Theo Walcott needs to start on the right. Awobi at the ten. That's that that's my take. I feel semi confident that you'll at least line up with half that. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. Um, I I do think the center backs will stay the same. I think Coleman does come in for Sidibe. He was really, really poor last weekend. In the midfield, I would love to see Fabian Delphin for Schneiderlin. I think that gives our midfield a totally different dimension, especially going forward with the ball. And Schneiderlin, I mean, the one thing you can say about him as a player, and this is not personal because I think he seems like a really good character. I mean, the one thing that he would offer in the team on his day is defensive solidity, but even that was, he's been just all over the place with his positioning, with his you know, transition, getting back even seems to be lackadaisical at times, inexplicably. And um, so I would love to see a Fabian Delph in that role. Just just think he gives us a bit more all-around play going forward with the ball at his feet, et cetera. And then, yeah, a Wobie at the 10 is a must for me. Gilfie Sigurdsson was anonymous last weekend. It can't happen again. And a Wobie came on and was encouraging as a substitute. So that has to be, that has to happen, I think. And then I think the front line does um, is exactly as you named, although I am going to beat the Moise Keen drum because I think if Marco Silva were to want to garner any favor with the Everton fans, he could go a long way by naming the young Italian striker in the, t- in the team because even if he fails miserably, at least we can say that he tried something different and gave the kid a chance. It would be a difficult situation to put him in, but we know that he wants the opportunity. I hope that he's ready to seize it when he's finally given it. But Dominic Calvert-Lewin, again, as long as it's not Cenk Tosin, I'm okay with either one of them starting at this point. 
but I would, I just am dying to see Moise Keen because it doesn't seem like he wants to use him as a substitute. And that's so frustrating to me because he seems like the player type of player with his explosive pace that he can really affect the game as a dangerous substitute. And so for me, I would just love to see Keen start. If I see him on the team sheet on on Sunday morning, I will be over the moon. Um, even if we then get absolutely slaughtered, I just I just want to see something different from Silva because that's got to be the biggest criticism of him is that he somehow just refuses to to change. He's so stuck in his ways, and when the ways aren't working, it just there's nothing. There doesn't seem to be any kind of inkling of tactical flexibility there. James, you sound like an NFL commentator talking about explosive pace. <laughs> they, have you ever noticed they? They literally just are obsessed with the word explosive. Literally everyone, any running back you've ever seen is explosive. But nonetheless, I, I guess, I mean, I, honestly, to this point, like, I'm not going to, I'll be hyped too if Moise Keen starts. I just think that Dominic Cowart-Loon is a better player currently. Um, you know, fight me, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but either way, that. yeah, you know, at the moment, at least, in, at, at the very least, with the caveat that we're talking about the current Everton system. Sure. But 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 either way, James, let's wrap this up with probably the most somber uh, score predictions we've had to date on the American Toffee podcast, and I'll let you kick things off to gauge uh, how depressed you're feeling. Yeah, so I mean, we did have some inklings of uh, of positivity creep through this episode at various stages, but for me, I think we're going to be up 1-0 at halftime, and we're going to end up losing 2-1 because I think that I just don't see any way that we could possibly win this game. I think Lester will have the confidence and the determination to be able to fight back from a losing position if they are to go down. And I don't think we have the nerve to fight them off. So I'm going to go with a 2-1 loss and I'll throw it over to you. You're a better man than I because I was going to go for a 2-0 loss. I, I don't see, we don't have the Gladys Street to suck the ball into the back of the net. And unfortunately, I don't know that it's going to get there otherwise. <laughs> so I'm going to go with a 2-0 loss. My expectations are literally, well, zero points. And so I can only go up from here. I guess you're in the same boat. Either way, thank you so much for joining us, as always. And until Sunday, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Come join our Discord community at invite.gg slash ATP and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at USA Toffee Pod.